I'm here at the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco, and with me today is a special guest. How about you introduce yourself? Hi, my name's Andrew Golding, and I run a small indie studio called Brawson, which is based in Melbourne, Australia. And uh, what game are you working on now? I'm working on a title called Jolly Rover, which is a 2D point-and-click adventure uh, set in a, a pirate, uh, pirate world, and all the characters are dogs, scurvy dogs. And what inspired you to do a point-and-click adventure? You know, those aren't really the most hyped-up thing nowadays. Yeah, well, point-and-click adventure um, certainly is niche, but um, it, it uh, has a special place in my heart. Uh, I loved all the point-and-click adventures from Sierra and LucasArts of, uh, in the early 90s, and um, I, I really feel that um, you know uh, uh, people like me are being underserved uh, where, uh, as far as adventures are concerned. I think Telltale are doing a brilliant job, but uh, you know the, the games that really capture that nostalgia, um, uh, I, I, I don't, I, I can't find any offerings like that. So I, I just wanted to make a game that I. I wanted to play and my friends wanted to play. And um, how did you go about developing and designing this game then? Um, you know, what's... yeah. I, um, I, I wanted to take all the things about adventure games that um, I really didn't like and keep all the things I really did. Now, the, the things I really like about adventure games are the characters, the puzzles and the story. The things I really didn't like was um, being able to die and having to replay huge sections or you know, forgetting what I was doing or um, you know, not, not having hints when I, when I really needed them. So I've, I've tried to make the game more accessible um, to today's audience. And to be honest, uh, the, the, the traditional adventure game audience, if they went back and played uh, the adventure games of the early 90s uh, now, would probably find out that they were actually really hard back then. And um, as kids, they had plenty of time to figure these things out, but as adults, they just don't have that kind of time anymore. Okay. And how did you go about then testing to make sure that your adventure game is going to be easy and accessible and stuff like that? Well, uh, my, my wife may or may not hear this, but uh, I like to do the wife test. Yeah. And uh, I, I sit my wife down, who, who's played a few games, but she's really not a gamer. And um, just, just watch how she plays, how she interacts, where her mouse goes, where I where eyes go. And, um, you know, I, I get so much feedback from that. Um, that and, uh, and, and then I go and implement that feedback. And, um, yeah, that's kind of my litmus test. Uh, I mean, I, I, I put it in front of hardcore gamers, and, you know, they, uh, they, get, they get through it fairly easy. But they still do get stuck. And so I'm, I'm trying to achieve that balance of challenging puzzles but really accessible gameplay. And you talked about some innovations that you're trying to add to these adventure games before. Can you mention some of them? Yeah, well, uh, one of the main things is I used to get frustrated um, when I was stuck on a, on a, on a problem um, just going around and clicking on everything because I forgot you know, what, what I'd interacted with. And um, so I've, I've tried to address that by having um, blue text for anything new um, that, uh, that you can interact with and white text. This, this is a, a floating text over the, over the item for, for anything that you have already interacted with. So you can quickly gauge you know what, what's worth doing um, in addition I, I didn't want the adventure game to be a pixel hunt so you know you can press one button and you can highlight all the, uh, the, the objects in the in the uh, in the world um, in addition to that there's a quest bar and uh, there's what I like to call an organic hint system which I call the hint parrot who's a, a companion that stays with you throughout the entire game and um, normally gives you cryptic clues unless you give him a cracker and then he'll give you the solution to the problem 
and um, you have achievements and stuff like that. Can you talk about that? Oh, yeah. Um, another criticism of adventure games is that they're not really replayable. So I've got uh, three different types of collectible item in the game, and these are crackers, pieces of eight, and flags. But I must stress it's not a hidden object game. It's the, These things are normally found through general play and, you know, some in some cases using items in, in unique ways. Um, there are four pieces of pirate flag that you can find over the three islands that you go across, and um, there is uh, an, an achievement style system that allows you to get you know, roughly 75% of the achievements through through normal playthrough, and then there's a few special ones that make up the, the extra 25%. But in addition to that, the, really, the feature that we're really excited about is the developer commentary, which is when you play through the game uh, the first time, you unlock developer commentary, which allows you to play through the game again with... Um, me talking about uh, design decisions that I made and, and my thoughts on the game, in addition to the original voice actor auditions and uh, artists talking about their motivations and their, their challenges throughout the game. So I really want to connect with players that way. And, you know, you talk about adventure games and humor. How do you make sure that the humor works and how do you test it out and how do you make sure it'll be um, working in other countries too, you know? Sometimes humor is just specific to it. Yeah, and, and localization is um, is a real concern because I'm not, I'm not sure how pirate speak translates to to German or, or French or Italian or you know even Japanese, and um, that's uh, that's uh, definitely a big hurdle. And uh, when I when I come to localize these games, I really think it's important that I get a proper writer on board that really understands humor and um, uh, you know as. as, as potentially done this before because, you know, a straight translation, uh, I, I know it's going to be a real issue. Um, regarding how I, I, how I find things, how I get things funny, um, that, that's a really difficult question because what I find funny, other people might not find funny. But what I try to do is read all the dialogue out loud and if it's still funny on the third go, then I think I'm on a winner. Um, but I don't try to make the, the whole game a laugh riot the, the whole time. But what I do like to do is, is surprise the player with something out of the ordinary that they'll find funny. And there's also a few visual gags there because the art company that we're using is um, is very familiar with children's cartoons. And so, you know, there's, 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 there's humor to be found all over. And were there any other surprises or challenges or changes you had to make to make sure that this game was going to work with the current audience? Um... I suppose one of the things was, that was um, really important was to get the opening scene really accessible um, because that's that's where you're introduced to the game and the, and the tutorial scene. And um, in the opening scene, all you have to do is find all the items in the room and click on them and examine them to uh, to try to escape uh, the brig where you're locked. But um, many people just couldn't find all the items, so I had to, to add in, one, the uh, pushing a button to, sh to show all the items up, and then two, I had to... Um, just uh, highlight the items uh, with explicit flashing animations just to uh, to get people to, to, to view them and click on them because um, yeah uh, one, one thing I think you know is, is easy for me um, is, is difficult for another other, another person and uh, coming from a casual uh, games development background um, usability is, is a real really important issue for me yeah. um, so aside from having your wife tested do you have constant play testing or how do you go about making sure that what you're doing is clear and, and people can progress? Well, I run the game through a few friends, but to be honest, um, we haven't really done any public beta testing, and this is something I really want to do quite a lot moving forward. And um, so, once this game is done, this game's going to come out in a few weeks? Uh, well, it's... It 
it's alpha this week um, and it goes beta in May which is content complete and then um, we're going for a release in June and um, I've been having discussions with various di uh, digital distribution uh, platforms such as Steam and Direct2Drive and uh, Greenhouse and uh, you know hopefully uh, it'll, it'll get to come out on those ones. In fact it's critical to success that it comes out on, uh, on places like Steam. And um, where do you see adventure games going? I mean, because there's always this talk about, you know, people who want to do adventure games and then the business people are like, no, adventure games don't work. Do you think there just has to be some new innovation in a mechanic, maybe some MMO principles or persistent mechanics that actually make the adventure worthwhile? I mean, the thing about adventure games is even, I know you consume the content once, but you look at these MMOs, it is almost the same way. They, but the thing is that they have a way to add new content every week. I don't know yeah. if that's something that needs to change. Maybe that's what makes the adventure game work or what? Well, it's, it's, it's a hard sell. Um, and, and to be honest, you know, if, if adventure games start including these, these, fe these features, MMO or even like platforming or, you know, action puzzle mechanics, um, you, you're going to go a long way to alienating your, your core audience. So um, they're, they're a, a very specific breed of game that, um, you know, that, that people like. And they are niche. And uh, I don't think there's, there's, there's a lot wrong with that. And... Um, uh, you know, I, I certainly would like to see um, more people playing adventure games, but if it doesn't hit the mainstream, um, it's really no big issue for me. As long as I can sell enough copies to make the next game, I'll yeah. be very happy. Yeah, and where do you see adventure games going um, in the future? Um, well, I don't know if we'll see a return to the mainstream that they, that they once were. Um, uh, I, I, I hope that they uh, keep going in a capacity that makes them commercially viable um, for developers to, to, to continue with. Um, but on saying that, I, I think you know anyone making an adventure game, I think it's really important that, um, that, the, that the teams are small, or at least the creative team is small, because that's where you, you, you get a real real sense of the of the developers, and you know you're not watering down or diluting the, the story and creative control. And when I play an adventure game, I really want to be playing the idea of one person and maybe two people. Uh, that, that's really important to me, and I, I think maybe that's where adventure games kind of went wrong when the, the team sizes started getting too large. So my philosophy moving forward is if I can be successful with this, uh, I really need to keep the team sizes quite small. Cool. And where can people find out more information about your game and your site? They, they can find uh, all the information from my site, which is um, www.brawsome.com.au uh, slash Jolly Rover. Yeah, how do you spell that? Uh, Brawsome is spelled B-R-A-W-S-O-M-E, and uh, Jolly Rover, one word. Thank you very much.